Hey, this is David from The Collection, and you're listening to Verbal Shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Everybody, thank you so much for coming on back to the Verbal Shenanigans podcast. Um, if you're listening, we're just coming off of Mix Master Mike, um, the good Mike, as we call him now in, in Verbal Shenanigans lore. Um, thank you guys so much for joining. In fact, big announcement, big announcement. Um, Mix Master Mike has been gracious enough after the interview to finally decide that he will now be co-hosting the podcast i mean scott i mean i can impress you i just bought two turntables and a microphone i just had to like figure out how to plug it in and use it but when i do i'm, I'm I sure would, i'll be at his level i would love a video of you hooking up turntables and <laughs> putting out music to the public just not not caring like just whatever comes out of those turntables, just put it right up. Don't think about it and just post it. Yeah, my first problem was I probably should have put a record on that turntable. Uh, well, I mean, now they the same sound. Now they have the digital turntables. I feel like you would be trying to put a record on the digital turntable. Be like, why don't it work? Why don't why don't it do things? Hey, iPhone. I've been putting this record on top of my phone for the last hour. It, it ain't working. What's up with that? <laughs> iPhone, connect to record. Connect to record. Bluetooth, please connect to record. Siri, scrap. <laughs> did you ever did you ever try an instrument as a kid? I originally had a trombone. And the reason I had a trombone was I thought a trumpet was named trombone. So I asked for a trombone and was shocked to see what came to me. But luckily, two weeks so later, in your, some hold kid, on, hold on. In your in your eyes, you were like, I want that nice three, you know, three valve instrument. Those guys are yeah. killing it. Sammy David. Oh, my God. You know, um, and the big ass trombone came in the package and you were like, uh oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with this thing, but uh, I went through a couple lessons, and luckily somebody who requested trumpet backed out for guitar, hence I got to go over to trumpet, and I played that for like a few years. Hey, we both played trumpet for a few years. I had a solo. I had Hot Cross Buns solo, fifth grade by myself. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, and I felt like I was killing it. Killing it. Is that the new dog, or is that the old dog, no, or is that the fourth dog? Is that the fourth yeah. dog? I don't even know who this is anymore. And that's two. We're still on two, right there. Three is upstairs. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, Mike. Mike came off getting another dog. As you get it, he's he's turning into weird dog pack persons. By a couple months from now, you're gonna be like, "Hold on, Scott, I gotta take my dog out to poop," and it's gonna be four and a half hours long. <laughs> 
mean by then I'll have a gate, Scott. Come on, I'm not that dumb. Well, yeah, you should get a gate considering you said you don't pick up your dog's poop. At least contain it instead of letting your, your pack crap all over the neighborhood. It's organic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it goes into the ground. It, it works. It makes grass grow. What's wrong with it? <laughs> Mike, um, let's jump into something right away. Let's, why not? Why not? We always like talk about BS and whatnot. Let's talk about more BS, but in a structured way. Okay. <laughs> um, and by the way, Mike defended R. Kelly last week, just to let you know. Um, he, he was like, R. Kelly's a good guy. He should be in Disney movies. Um, it was weird. It was weird. Well, I said the bad Disney movies. I didn't give him full access. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, go back and check out that Mixed Master Mike episode. But um, all right, Mike, we're going to play a game here right off the bat. We're going to get into it. This is a bit of a discussion game. Okay. Um, the, the name of this game is um, Red Pill, Blue Pill. Okay. Okay. Um, you're familiar with the Matrix, correct? Yeah. Uh, spoiler: uh, <laughs> Neo was. Dude, how how are you going to spoil Monsters Inc. and Toy Story <laughs> and the Matrix for people <laughs> twenty years later? Dear verbal shenanigans. After I gave up on Disney Plus, I got my HBO Max. <laughs> Little did I know you would spoil that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Mike, you're aware that. The blue pill, right? You would just continue on with life the way it is, right? Yeah. The yeah. way you have it, three dogs. Um, mm-hmm. Life is good down in Georgia. Same job, same podcast, same everything. Okay. Okay. And the red pill is your life changing event. You're going to open your eyes to a lot of things, right? Okay. You're going to see the way it is. Um, you're going to have options that you may not know of. So in this game, you are going to tell me if you're going to take the red pill or the blue pill, and you're going to tell me why. And then, well, I also discuss what I would do. Cause I now I have thought about these questions. So I have some um, thing, but even, even like I was throwing some of these questions at my wife and both of us, it almost got like, <laughs> there was one question that almost, I wouldn't say heated, <laughs> but it got into like a, no, this is what it should be, you know, kind of kind of answer. So these are some things I came up with over the week. Um, are you ready to participate? Why not, Scott? <laughs> You're like, yeah, well, we got, we got to put an episode out. So, um, okay. Let's start on the softer side, okay? Okay. Would you take financial freedom? Okay, so financial freedom means no more bills. Um, you want to travel somewhere? Go ahead. You want to buy a car? You want to buy something? It's fine. Okay, for the rest of your life, if it buy meant what, Scott? What'd you say? Buy what though? Buy what? Yeah, as I picked up the dog. Oh, sorry, I wasn't looking at you. I was reading my question. Oh. Well. Please don't, please don't pick up twelve of your dogs while while I'm trying to read the question. This is an awkward podcast. <laughs> so you have financial freedom for the rest of your life, okay? But knowing that you're going to take financial freedom, it meant one person on this earth, one person, okay, would lose mm-hmm. everything they have, okay. Everything they have financially, their house, their home, their um, 
anything they've accumulated, their wealth. Um, so that's the, the pill you're given. You're like, yes, I'm going to yep. take the pill, but someone in this world is going to lose it all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you I don't have you don't have to be a good good man in these questions either. You could just I you could understand. be selfish. Yep. In this scenario, uh, I'm going to be a good boy. I'm going to I'm going to take the blue pill. Um, I feel like even though finance, yeah, it's a struggle from time to time, but um, nothing in my life where it's like. Uh, I I can't live and all. I've been on the closer edge of pretty poor, but mm-hmm. still got through it and yep. never worried about it and stuff like that. The the fact that I would sit back and go, somebody just like their life got effed up because yeah. I'm sure that pill didn't just pick some guy who's like, I got like $300 in the bank and all. I'm sure yeah. it. They're picking somebody who's like, wait a minute, what? Well, why do you mean you're taking my house? So, what's the uh, what's the poorest you've been? Because I got I, I got a pretty good story on this one. I mean, the poorest I would say was I was at a time week to week with paychecks, where it's literally like at sure. times I'm like, all right, maybe put something on a credit card just to get past this and make sure I have enough for a couple of weeks from now. Right. And what, what age was this? Like, uh, like where were you at in life during this poor time? Uh, probably lower thirties. Okay. Somewhere in that range and all where just establishing myself, but still not exactly bringing in the big bucks. So, yeah. So the poorest I ever was, was <clears throat> when I was going through my, uh, divorce with my ex, um, I was left uh, with basically left completely. She just went off with another man, essentially, and I was left with bills upon bills upon bills on just the salary I was working at the time. I was working like a bazillion side gigs. There was a point where um, my ex was telling me that she was paying her car payments that. She was getting jobs and money was coming in. Nothing ever came in. And there was a point when I was home and I see a tow truck pulling in. And I'm like, what the hell was that? And they just literally repoed her car. Literally repoed mm. her car while I was in the dining room at the time. Where You remember my old house? Um, oh, yeah. And uh, there was a point. Now, now this is a crazy story. Um, I had oil heat. And... Um, when if you know if you have oil heat, the minimum order is 150 gallons. Okay, so maybe so if the gas is the oils, say it was a great year and it was three dollars a gallon, right? So that's yeah. 450 dollars. Didn't have it to my name. I didn't. I had no money to heat the house, and it's the winter. And I I found out from someone that you, if you really need it, you could put diesel diesel fuel into the oil tank which is basically the same thing yeah i was traveling around in my pickup truck at the time with a diesel canister a blue canister and i would just go get like five gallons which you know whatever five gallon uh 15 bucks or whatever it was 20 Mm -hmm. bucks and i would pour it in for the night and i would just sit there and cuddle with my dog um for like warmth at a time because i'm like okay so the next day i would go and fill it up again and hopefully figure out where the money was coming from um 
like it was it was pretty bad really bad i mean I, at the end of like the divorce and all that i was technically owed like thirty thousand dollars i basically seen six hundred dollars of that amount so um but in the end when i think about this question um i i think selfishly i would take it i i i i I know like we're supposed to be (laughs) men uh, you know people who i i just think like yeah maybe it's gonna karma wise is gonna bite me in the ass but financial freedom forever it seems like a really amazing thing like where you don't have to worry about paycheck to paycheck and there's still times where i'm like oh my god like got to make sure we get these bills or or this paid or my son's daycare like that kind of pressure sometimes to never have that again i feel like maybe that one person might forgive me in the afterlife i don't know but i think i would take this on this one so i would take the red pill on that one my quick poor story i think i told it on the podcast before i was going to the job and i would have to buy something for lunch and i still like i said even though i had a job it was still paycheck to paycheck so i couldn't get regular lunch meat but oh. uh the sh- the shop right at the store would sell the uh, cold cut meat ends which is basically like the hard and to yeah, yeah. The, the big thing. And literally, I'd, I'd go into work and I would get a spoon and scoop out the meat and oh, put God. it on a piece of bread Wow, make a sandwich with it. Yeah, being poor is such a terrible feeling. And, like, if you've never been poor, it's really easy to, like, make fun of people who are poor or, um, you know, ignore the plight of what being poor is. Um. And I, it, it's funny, be, before I was poor, I was like the hardest working guy my, my whole life. I always had a million jobs, a million things going on, doing, like when that happened, I was doing inflatable movie screens. I was doing video gigs. I was doing uh, my normal job. I was doing, uh, yeah, stand-up comedy for big money. But, uh, you know, that was like an outlet, but... I was I was grinding all the time and it still wasn't and that's the worst feeling in the world where you're like I have maximized my hours and it's still not even close to what I need. So yeah, you work an 18-hour day and you're still like can't afford McDonald's. Yeah. Home. I see pictures of myself from that era which is funny because I see them with my wife now cuz she was the first person that um you know we got in a relationship shortly after that. And I was like, I swear to God, it's probably 30 pounds lighter. I looked terrible. Um, very like gaunt in the face. Like you, you could, just, you just see a man who was like, stress was piling on over and over and over and again. But interesting. Okay. All right. So let's go to the next question. Let's, let's not depress everybody here. Um, all right, Mike, you have the ability to erase COVID-19 from our history, okay? Mm-hmm. So everything that came with COVID-19, the, um, the, the the politics, the people hating each other, the people who died, um, the shutdown for two years, everything. But doing that would mean it would appear 100 years later. So after your lifetime, would you do it? 
Okay, so what you're saying is if I get rid of COVID-19, it's immediately 2119? Is that what you're saying? So, no. So it's going to come, this exact scenario is going to come basically a lifetime after you. Okay. Gotcha. So you, we get to get rid of it. We get to get rid of the hate, the masks, the the anti-vaxxers, the vaccines, the people who that all this BS that we went through, gotcha. or or real, you know, and the real stuff that we went through goes away. Never happened, but it will happen again a hundred years later or whatever. Post death, yeah. it's going to happen to someone gotcha. else. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm going red pill. Um, I feel these things happen on like a hundred year basis. So it's still going to happen. I feel the planet will probably be, what are we at? 8 billion now. I wouldn't be surprised if it's nine or 10 billion by the time we go a hundred years from now, where the earth could probably use a little bit less out there. Um, maybe we're smarter as people in the future. Mm -hmm. Probably not, but. I can take that chance. Um, yeah, a lot of things just got no, no, destroyed. Yeah, yeah. I was going to go into that. Why? Why do you think? Uh, why do you think it was so terrible for us? I feel a lot has to do like the small business it, yep. uh, economy just got completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even like as I go to work now with like this two-year break like we moved my regular job moved to a new city and like my brain can barely comprehend traffic right now even though i lived in jersey for all these years i'm so used to this long commutes and all like even longer than what i do now just as you like norm normalcy comes like anger seems to double what it was before right i feel yeah. and you're not adjusted yeah. to it, yeah. Yeah, so I think we just are not weren't mature enough as an entire world, if you will, on the situation to go, okay, this happens plenty of times, so it's one of those I'm going to double down on the 2119 people to be able to go, <laughs> yeah, and in 2119, maybe they finally realize everything is remote and we're all that's one a good perspective planet. like maybe they're more prepared beforehand but mm. it's funny because i before this i i took the i took the blue pill i just let it happen you know like i think some good things have come out of the pandemic i think um communication has come a long way as far as like working from home and like people got a chance to like really analyze their life and be like do I want this nine to five crap? You know, um, do I want to sit here and, and commute? And like you're saying, and I think it gave people a chance to maybe take a break. Like when I look back at my pandemic time, it wasn't bad because I had a, I had a son on the way when it was uh, really cranking pretty bad. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it gave, gave me a lot of time to do like house stuff and, kind of dial it down a little bit and appreciate life, I guess, a little bit. Um, I know that's not everyone. A lot of people just got angry and people lost money and, and whatnot. But I'm hoping that 
what we went through might be a learning experience. It probably won't because social media still exists. But um, I took the I took the uh, the blue pill on this one, so it's interesting. Ooh, interesting. Over right. two and combining here. Okay. Yep. Okay. okay. Here we go. All right. <laughs> This one's a little bit more silly, okay? Would you okay. take a million dollars a year, okay? A million dollars a year, Mike, that gives you financial freedom too. You're just hanging out with your nine dogs. You're getting a million dollars every year. If you had to pay for everything, everything in your life, any bill, any sandwich, anything with pennies. Hmm. <laughs> So you're show you're showing up. You're like, yeah, yeah, let me get a sub sandwich, uh, you know, Italian sub for dinner. Here's my pennies. Yeah, I'm going to buy a car. It's early. Like, yeah. look in the back seat. Yeah, <laughs> look at the tra- look at the trailer I brought. Yeah, <sighs> million dollars a year. So you technically have financial freedom, but yeah, I'm thinking like. Stuff you know, I would buy with that, like a new house. I mean, Lord, oh I God, need yeah. like a truck, yeah, for that. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So you have the money, but you can't yeah. do anything but pennies, which makes dinners out really awkward. Oh yeah, yeah. Which makes uh, paying the electric bill. <laughs> There's no e, no e yeah. uh, banking anymore. You're sending in pennies. And the and frustration. I'm sure some people are going to force me to count. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Them. Get it organized. Yeah. I think I got to go blue pill. I just got to live my life because that is too much tactic. <laughs> like I know it literally makes every everyday transaction an adventure, and it's not a fun adventure. I agree. I agree. I took the blue pill on this one too. Um, everything you do is like. Are you kidding me? Are you? Uh, come on! Like, yeah, we we technically take this, but uh, you we don't have the capacity to count this. The miscounts, the counting it has to drive you mad. Yeah, and I think you're going to lose friends in the deal as well. I mean, like, imagine this: like, you go, Berlu, we're going to the Super Bowl, man. All right, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, and then it's like, all right, we gotta get the tickets, and like you're just sitting behind me. One, two, yeah. three, four. You're gonna be like, or never invite this mofo anywhere. Or if you just throw those like rolled penny, like you know, you throw like fifty of them on the <laughs> the counter. You're like, boom, I got this, and you're like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, this is the guy I'm with. This is the guy I'm with. And heaven forbid, like, I lose my wife, but, like, if I had to go back dating and trying to impress a girl, as uh, much as you say I got all that money, when she sees you just stacking rolls of pennies, no way you're getting to the third date. No way. Yeah, I feel like that's a burden. And, like, at at some point, like, that that money means absolutely nothing because you're just, your life is just hell for the rest of your life. Easily. Imagine paying for like, oh yeah, I just want to get a uh, a sandwich every single time. You're just like rolling out pennies. 
Okay, yeah. And I I feel somebody's going to get obnoxious and be like, no, that's a Canadian penny. That don't count. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like, just kick you out. You might might not be able to get service at some point. Then I'll fight somebody. Then I'll go to jail. Then I have to count pennies to get the bail for it. (laughs) Then it'll be impossible. Yeah. Okay. We're in agreement on that one. Okay. Yeah. Blue pill, red pill. Okay, everyone fantasizes or has talked about if you can go back in time, right, and mm-hmm. kill baby Hitler. You know, everyone talks about, like, if Hitler never existed, how big of a world change it would be. Um, you know, we could talk about different dictators and stuff like that, but let's focus on Hitler at this time. So all all the Jews and the the homosexuals and everything, okay, Maybe this would never happen. So you're able to eliminate baby Hitler. But in the meantime, if you killed baby Hitler from existence, Martin Luther King also vanishes from existence. I hate to say it. I think I'm going red. Okay. I think I'm going red. Um, the concept is, as much as we say there's been evil people through history, I still feel Hitler is a top number one. Oh yeah, despicable. I mean, yeah, I mean he's the one that got the most attention for sure. Yeah, um, caused so many deaths, uh, torture, concentration camps, and all that. I feel, I feel it'd be easier. To get somebody who would have leveled up to Martin Luther King if there was no Martin Luther King versus a dictator that could have leveled up to Hitler. So I feel, I and, and add to it, unfortunately, Dr. King got assassinated pretty young. Yeah. So we never even got the full impact of what he could have done. So I think the world needs me to take the red pill. I'm sorry. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like, um, we would be able to get rid of, um, what it was like six million people uh, exterminated, wars, relationships amongst countries, and I'd, I'd have to think that, as far as African Americans, someone, someone else could have stepped up in the way that Martin Luther King did. I know that's sounding like kind of like a easy revisionist history yeah but i'd like to think that um the plight of of an african-american person there would be someone else who could bring people to that kind of um you know uh strength and 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 structure and whatnot so i'd have to get rid of the person that eliminated a million people six million people before I could get behind the, you know, keep the person that united so many people. Like, at least we'd have, just think about how, you know, just in terms of people calling people Nazis and all that, it would would never exist. Like, maybe we wouldn't know that kind of hate. Can you imagine, like, the QAnon people were right, we take the red pill, it's like, oh man, there wasn't a Holocaust. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Other funny little story, I always knew about Germany and all that stuff. I did not know there was a name for it called the Holocaust. So I was in history class one day and the teacher was talking about the Holocaust and I raised my hand and I said, what's the Holocaust? 
and I got a lot of looks. <laughs> and they they explained. I'm like, oh, okay, I knew that. Yeah. And then like everybody's looking at me. I'm like, no, I didn't know the name. Mm. You just knew it as like, you know, just the, general the fun German Hitler party, did Germany yeah. concentration camp stuff. I didn't know. It's like in the name of the movie is. <laughs> That's all right. You thought the Holocaust was like a like a discount fun like flea market or something like that. Yeah, I, I thought it, it sounded like a nice bread of some sorts, you know. Ah, you know, turkey on. Uh, <laughs> ooh, give me that Holocaust roll. Ooh, ooh, that's exotic. <laughs> all it's right, got like poppy seeds on it and stuff. It's nice. All right, so we we both agreed on that one. Okay, blue pill, red pill. You must eat. Okay, you get. You must eat one thing for the rest of your life. Okay, mm-hmm. your choice. Your yep. choice of what you're eating: breakfast, lunch, dinner, mm-hmm. every day for the rest of your life. Snacks, anything. But with this choice, like if you took the if you took the choice, you solve world hunger. Literally, every starving kid in Africa. Every person who's been oppressed, who can't eat, or is is now there's no more hunger, but you're taking the brunt of it. Yeah. And when this, we say this one is the thing, this is the like, one me and my wife got into a heated debate about. And when we do the one thing, it's specifically like you can. In even, other words, if I say pizza, does that mean plain pizza every time, or is it like I'm allowed like pepperoni or something like that? All right, well, put together like a meal, whatever, like a okay, you know, um, pizza, salad, and something else, whatever, whatever okay. you want. Like either way, you're gonna eat it for the rest of your life. I think it would drive me mad, but at the same time, I think it's worth the goal. I'm taking the red pill. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking you're blue. The way no. No, actually, actually, I'm also taking oh, the red pill. It's the wifey who's like, no, I can't do that. It wasn't even no that she said she couldn't do that. We just got into this huge, like, fun debate. And l- let me digress. It was a, it was like uh, us fun throwing situations out. Like, can you imagine eating like fried ch- whatever it was for the rest of your life? You know, like. Um, so it was just it was just fun, like throwing it back and forth. But I said, you know what? Like, I'd be celebrated. The podcast would get huge numbers. Here's the guy that yeah. eats steak, salad, and potatoes every day for the rest of his life, and he's solving world hunger. He did it. Like, I think you would be up there with like Mother Teresa and all those guys. Yeah, and I would just mix it up. Like in your scenario, it's like, all right, I'm going to cut up the steak, put it in the salad, so it's like a steak salad versus a full steak, right? And a salad. I'm, I'm going to mix things up. I'm going to put different spices on it. I'm going to be yeah. fine. And you got to remember, like the way. people you're saving, like may have never had any variety in food. Like you're just you're at least giving them the gift of food. Like they might have been eating the same thing their entire life and you're giving them the gift of endless nutrition. Like that's a pretty good goal. Yeah, so, I mean I mean your wife's selfish and we're not. That's the moral of today's story. Exactly. Yeah. All right. This one is podcast centric. Okay. Okay. 
The podcast is catapulted to Joe Rogan-esque numbers. We are the top podcast in the entire world. Okay? We are getting numbers. I think Rogan gets tens of millions of downloads every single episode. Yep. However, everything we've ever done, everything, every single podcast we've ever done has been erased from existence. There's no such thing as any interview we've ever done, no conversation we've ever done. Everything is gone. I think it's pretty easy. I think I got to go blue because then, like, even as we're, like, popular, I'd be kind of be looking at you like, what? why is this? Why are we doing this okay. kind of thing? Like, I don't think it would be, like, initial joy because everything that's led up to this is what makes it worthwhile every right. single week. And, you know? I mean, as we talk with different people, just the falling into certain things has been more fun than just like, oh, we got the big Sure, and the, right the origin here. story, right, is always cool yeah. and how this yeah. happened. We, I, we were never LARPed in this situation. We were never, I went the opposite. I went with the red pill. Really? Because we could recreate it. Like, if we had all these numbers, people would be dying to get on the show, right? Like, people would be like, okay, like, we could do a lot of what we did again, possibly. Um, okay. So, I guess that's why I'm confused. Because in that scenario you gave to me, I would figure, like, we have none of the background of what we did to just say, read. True. If you're just saying, oh, we can copy and paste. Then, I, I just yeah. meant, like, yeah, maybe we have these numbers now. We can go get big guests we can go and now we'd finally be like heard and have an audience and really be able to do this for a living you know what i mean like the 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 idea of giving up our jobs and being able to do it i think would i think would probably be worth um getting rid of everything forever you just want to forget everything I've said so far. Well, that's, that's true. That's can. true. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out a way. <laughs> Erase, Berlugin. Wait, we didn't finish. And I, I keep sending two more of those red pills. I, I keep sending you pills in the mail. <laughs> 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 please take this. It's it's the red one. It's cyanide. But please take the red one. All right. You get to see the trifecta. Okay, I call it the trifecta of how we are made what our purpose in is is in life and if there's an afterlife okay so you get the the questions that everyone thinks about every day of their life in some way right what how we're made what's our purpose it, uh, it when we die where do we go but you aren't allowed to tell anyone like you cannot tell any, only you has the knowledge it's a good one, right? That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I think I stay blue. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. And the reason I say that is, like, I'm not a religious person. I'm spiritual. It's like, as we get into any kind of debates of what comes afterwards, I'm kind of a human being that goes, when I close my eyes, I'm hoping I'm meeting a maker. And if I meet that maker, hopefully I did good enough. 
I'm what, not too what would you do about... if it was just R. Kelly standing at the gates and you're like, oh, God, oh. God damn it. He's, he's like, I like what I, I like what you did with the last, you know, you gave me a chance with the broom thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I'm so laid back because, for lack of it, I care, but I don't really care what happens next. And it's one of those, I look forward to finding out the answer one day, mm-hmm. rather than knowing absolutely everything. And it, like, if I knew... Like if I find out the answer is nothing is after this, yeah, I, I would. That might like, take the, the joy. I hear a friend going yeah. to church, I'd be like, "Oh, Jim, I want to tell you something." So yeah, bad. yeah. Yeah. Once that you gave the church five hundred dollars, Jim. I mean, I feel that way already. I'm like, God yeah. damn, <laughs> you're giving these guys the money. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably go red pill. Honestly, I feel like if I if I was able to know, I think it would give me some some view on life where I'd be I would know how to live it a little bit, right? Like, okay, if there's nothing after, all right, we're doing everything we can possibly do. Like, I don't gotcha. I don't care, right? If if there's something after, okay, then we're gonna live our life amazingly like i all of a sudden i become a priest i'm i'm just marrying people left and right i'm just a man of god if if we were created but just to i don't know procreate or just to have fun like what is the purpose of living just to have fun or i want to know what am i here for right like Mm. we all don't know what we're doing we're just writing we're just Something in us tells us this, but we don't know exactly. If someone said, this is the purpose of your life, I'm in. I'm in. I, I feel what you're saying, but I also think it's kind of like when like people get into arguments and we talk about stuff and I'll give an opinion. Like I'll just look at somebody and be like, I could be wrong. I don't care. Sure. That's just my thing. I don't. I'm not a person that worries about being 100% right. So I feel if I knew absolutely everything, my mind would be going nuts just thinking about, yeah. like, if if there's something really good at the other side, like, wanting to calm down somebody or seeing a family member, like... Yeah, but do you, do you think it would, like, adjust how you live? Like, possibly, like maybe you could become like very influential on uh, on them i got i know a lot of stubborn people so and it's one of those prove it to me kind of things where it's just like you're like yeah listen you're like listen to episode 425 everything was revealed the whole existence Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah uh, the gods are ostriches who knew That'd be cool. All right, I got one more. You're given access to a folder, okay? It contains all the government secrets, the moon landing, JFK, the aliens, election truth, everything the government has ever done. Okay, so you have access to that. Yep. In exchange, everyone you know, so every Facebook friend, Every family member, anyone mm-hmm. connected to you in any way, has to. All of their personal secrets are exposed. 
So every single thing becomes public. Okay, so you got the government secrets in exchange for your whole network's secrets. Blue pill, easy answer. Boils down to, again, kind of going back to the last uh, thing we talked about, I don't really care if I don't know everything in the world, so it doesn't bother me. And considering this world, even though you have this folder that is beyond a shadow of a doubt fact, mm-hmm. doesn't really matter because this world refuses to listen to facts or some of that effect. We're still flat earthing. We're still 9-11 was by the government. Mm-hmm. Everything was there. And the last thing, and let's say, for example, I go in that folder, 9-11 was a government. I'd be like... I don't want to be the guy talking to people about this. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're the you're the, like going on the you know the talk circuit. Just be like you're the suit Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about JFK anymore. All right, <laughs> but aliens that would be pretty cool to know. I mean, there's some cool stuff there, <laughs> but again, the just and then again, then I'm gonna have to deal with every family secret that's out there. Every yeah. Dirty piece of laundry. It's I'm a guy I do my podcast and then I shut up for the rest of the day. So I don't feel like I, extra I wish it was the opposite. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, no. Scott, I, I held it in. I got a lot of stuff to say. Probably you should really like let some go before I nope. This stuff is crazy, man. Wait till you turn on that mic. I, I wish you were just like I would sh- I'm going to shut up and not do my podcast. That would be the best. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Verbal Shenanigans. It's Scott Brendan and the Mime. <laughs> yeah, I also agree with you on this one. I took the blue pill. Um, yeah, I would love that information. It would be amazing. But exposing everyone in your life, oh, my God, that would be a pretty terrible like comeback for you. You, know? you would be the most interviewed guy in the world. You would probably have the highest numbers in the world as far as any time you talked but i uh, mean that that whole network of yours gone and no one mm. likes you anymore all right mike nice job nice job i think we agreed on like five of them or something like that but somewhere in that range there was a lot of pills involved in yeah a lot there. of pills you can't remember when you take so many pills you can't remember mm. um yeah. but anyway let's get to our guest um let's get to our guest tonight um our guest tonight is the lead singer, the songwriter of a band called The Collection. They are blowing up everywhere. They have some really, really good songs. Um, uh, they've been on NPR. They've been on TikTok. <laughs> um, which, by the way, how's our TikTok account going, Mike? Um, Before this episode, I made Mike the the ruler of our TikTok. So if any content comes up, it's through Mike. Yeah. Uh, so I went to a clockmaker to ask him what to do, and he told me to leave because they're shutting down because nobody buys clocks anymore. You're like, I don't understand how the dances work in this clock yeah. shop, but yeah. Um, so do I just like pelvic <laughs> to the pendulum in the grandfather clock? Is that how it works? Yeah. But anyway, we have uh, Dave Wimbish on the on the line. Um, lead singer in the collection and here is our interview 
<laughs> anyway, Dave, uh, first off, welcome to the show. Thank you for, for giving us some time here. Um, yeah, we Thank really you. appreciate it. Um, so I'll, I'll start. Um, I will say I, you know, when I was contacted about your guys, uh, your press release and whatnot, I was like, oh, you know, let me give these guys a, you know, because we get a, a ton of emails through the, you know, just different people's releases. And I was like, let's check out the uh, the collections uh, stuff. And I, I, I really liked it right from the start. Um, I liked the feel of it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, definitely get these guys on. Um, so thank you for that. And where are you guys located out of? Where do you guys play out of? Yeah, so we're um, we're in North Carolina. We're kind of spread across the state. Okay. Um, there's like a five-hour spread in between us, but a few people in Asheville, a few in the Raleigh area, and a few in Winston-Salem. So, yeah. Okay, you guys grow up in that area? Yeah, most of the band uh, is from North Carolina. So my my like first half of life was in Texas and then North Carolina after that. So. Now, from what I understand, the band has gone through many inclinations and all was kind of like a small amount. Then you were on to a dozen. Then you went to seven. What keeps basically the glue together of the band, would you say? Yeah, I, I still kind of like write all the stuff myself. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, that's helped to have like a a unified vision, so to speak, with how the songs go. And so, you know, when it was a lot more people. I was still writing stuff. I just like had a lot more tools to work with as far as like passing people sheet music and being like, oh, you used to play flute in high school. Like, you know, see if you can do that again now. And <laughs> and so now, you know, but it's it's pretty impossible to tour with like 12 people. So once we started doing that more seriously is when it when it became the group that it is today. And um, I feel like <laughs> the it's still the same, you know, kind of like glue or like the same structure underneath. It's mm. just like now there's mm. there's fewer hands. So we have to get more creative with like how to play things. What's your background? I was curious listening to your voice and you have you have a ton of range um, on the on these recordings and whatnot. And, and even live, I was watching some videos and whatnot. Uh, what, what's your background? Were you always a singer or, or a musician? Yeah, my my family is very musical, and my mom like taught choirs and and led choirs and taught vocal lessons. So, um, I started singing at a very young age, and like it was just a pretty normal part of my family. Like my family would just all sing together a lot, and I thought everybody was like that. <laughs> Every family was like that <laughs> <laughs> until you showed up at your friend's house and just started true, singing yeah. at dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and then I found out I was weird. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's always it's been. It's been like such a normal part of my like you know upbringing growing up, um, just singing, um, yeah, and playing too. Like my mom um, taught piano, and like everybody in my family plays at least one instrument, if not like five or ten. So nice. there's a lot of music okay. from when I was a kid. Nice. Yeah. Mm. With with all the success, I mean, for what I'm reading about, like some of your writing, you went through a bunch of different items, like a divorce, and it, I, I see there was like a biking accident you went through can you tell us what happened there <laughs> oh my god yeah i was uh i was on a mountain bike um it's funny you know i used to skateboard a lot and i was pretty good at it and i never got injured on it but i've had like three major bike accidents and, and that <laughs> most recent one uh that most recent one was the one that kind of made me question being on a bike anymore but i uh i i wrecked on a mountain biking trail in colorado and i broke my neck and i broke like three bones in my hand and like eight ribs and puncture my lung and rip my ear almost off it was a lot of like (laughs) intense stuff which um was particularly hard with like you know broken ribs and a punctured lung because i was in um 
Frisco, Colorado, which is like 9,000 feet above sea level. So just, I had to be on an oxygen tank and all sorts of stuff. It was, it was definitely intense. Oh. It made me, it made me think a lot about mortality. Yeah. <laughs> or, or always being on four wheels, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or just like two. Let me count. One, two. No, I need a couple more there. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, not getting on it. <laughs> so what, what's the origin story of the band? Were you just writing songs and recruiting people to play with? Um, were you a group of friends? Were you, uh, were you a little punk band beforehand? What, what's the origin story of the collection? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of all of the above. Like I have been writing music since I was young, and I've just always been lucky enough to have like great communities and people around me that I care about. And so um, there was a while where like I was listening so much to music that had a lot of like orchestral elements, and um, just within those communities, it truly was just like, oh, you used to play this. Like here's some sheet music. Let's let's put this music that I you know recorded to life with like a bunch more stuff. So it was pretty like. Uh, it, it, it was very much more like centered around like a collective. Like it was like, Oh, we all live in the same communities. We hang out, we're good friends. And like one of the many community things we do is like sometimes play music and like once or twice a year, like play shows, you know? So, so in the beginning it was very just like, this is a thing we do every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but eventually obviously grew into being a more serious thing. When it goes to that next step, I mean, how do you like van life and traveling to yeah. state to state? Uh, part of me loves it like i love traveling i grew up traveling a lot um and i think you know there's so many beautiful places in the u.s to see and um i love playing shows i mean playing shows to me is like my favorite part of this whole thing so it definitely is like uh there's a lot of love for it there um but there's obviously the parts of it where you're like not sleeping much and you're not eating very well and like those things definitely are exhausting so it's crazy to me how much like you can go a few days of just being like oh i feel sick i feel exhausted i like what am i doing with my life and then you play like one good show and you're like i could do this forever yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. Are, are you guys currently on tour now is that is that why you're on a car on the side of the road right now or <laughs> we're not uh, we leave in, we leave on oh. tour in uh march okay. um but i but i am pretty you know we've been doing a lot of band stuff we've been in the studio a lot and then we head on tour soon and then we're in the studio again and then on tour again and so um I, i'm li- i'm pretty nomadic at the moment so I, I am spending a lot of time in cars and vans even in between tours yeah no bikes no bikes no bikes maybe maybe a unicycle or two but that's it <laughs> So the one thing I, um, I I came across was you guys had a pretty interesting, um, I guess you could call it a, an initiative, um, a postcard initiative with your song, uh, Sorry Baby. Yeah. Um, and, I, and what I'm getting is the just, uh, you know, the summary was where fans were able to kind of write messages stating that they, uh, what they weren't sorry for. Um, and it kind of took off a little bit. Can you give us give us a little background on that? Totally. I wrote, I wrote that song, like just thinking about people in my life that have had expectations of me and like who I should be and how much like listening to other people's expectations can really keep you from like being an authentic version of yourself in some way. And so I wrote that song as just kind of like, I'm not going to say sorry for who I am. Um, I'm just going to be who I am and like find, find home like within myself. And so 
we just share that from the stage and we had these postcards and it was just like, yeah, write a letter, you know, or to somebody that like you want to be able to say like, I'm not sorry for being myself. And it was so beautiful. Like people were just coming back and, you know, writing like some people would take them with them and some would like leave them at the merch table and we would post them. And so we could see a lot of what people wrote. And there was just a lot of things like people being like, I'm not sorry, mom, for like being queer or like, I'm not sorry for getting divorced or um, I'm not sorry for like leaving my faith, whatever. Just people being able to say like, this is like who I am to my core and I'm not going to apologize for it. That's pretty that's, cool. That's very beautiful. And all. I'm going to have to get your address so I can send you Scott. I'm not sorry for keep showing up every week. Yeah. <laughs> you should be though. There, there are things you should be sorry no, about Mike. No yeah. the song says I shouldn't be sorry, Scott. <laughs> Deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was digging uh, rose-colored glasses earlier, and I'll check out some of your stuff. It, it, for what I saw, you you actually did it with your ex, and all. Was it? Are you too like on the same wavelength, where it's very comfortable, or were you trying something like interesting here? <laughs> uh, we we are on the same wavelength, though. I love the idea of like trying something interesting. I'm like, that, that, I can't that stand you. I, I want to see how this works yeah, with yeah. a guitar. <laughs> I don't know. Worked for um, Fleetwood Mac for like 40 years, man. <laughs> That's true. That's true. They held it together, um, sort of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She, she and I, like we, um, you know, we were partners for quite a few years, and um, I just have always felt like, you know, you get into a relationship with somebody and you love that person, and then you hit a point where it's something that doesn't work in the relationship, and then people. I mean, there's sometimes where it's very needed, where like absolutely what you need is to not see anybody again. But I think there's sometimes where just socially we're kind of taught like, oh, I should never talk to this person again, where it's like, well, you maybe still love them and care about them. It just might look different, you know? And so that song was, was really about that, about just trying to be like, Hey, like we can, we're still friends. We still care about each other. It's just not in the same way. And so, you know, she and I, always you know we would do our best to sing together when we lived together and so i was like you should come sing on this song that's kind of about this and it was such an honor to have her there and have her in the studio um she's awesome that's awesome speaking of honor of of things to do you guys were went on one of my favorite uh series to watch in the world which uh which is npr tiny desk um you were i guess on the um what the the collection MP, the contest correct yeah mm-hmm. what was that yeah, like yeah we uh, it was great. Like we entered that contest and we ended up in the like top 10 judges pick that year. So it was cool. We didn't know, you know, obviously just like, let's do a video and we had fun and it was so cool to get to the end of the year and be like, Oh my God, like we're so close to the top of this. Um, and it definitely helped too. like in touring, there would just be people coming to the shows that were like, we saw your NPR thing and we wanted to come see a show. So I don't know. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I love NPR so much. So truly like such an honor to get you know any sort of like recognition in there i mean some of the performances on that you know that tiny desk series are just like they're on in rotation in my house just as background noise sometimes because they're so good yeah but yeah they're incredible i definitely put them on sometimes just to listen to as well yeah yeah Mm. now being a north carolina boy and touring and all deep do you guys get a little disrun when you have to go south to South Carolina? Do you talk trash when you guys go there? <laughs> Your barbecue sucks. Oh, that's amazing. When I actually, um, when I moved to North Carolina as a teenager, we lived like 10 minutes from the border of North and South Carolina. And even then, you know, we would, we would make jokes about holding our breath when we crossed the border because we didn't want to breathe <laughs> in the air. And 
all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I've really grown to like South Carolina a lot. Um, and actually, I have a funny memory from from our very first tour ever. I was I just I did not know how to speak from a stage. And I, re- I remember that I was trying to say how much I l- was surprised by loving, like falling in love with South Carolina. But I started it off with talking about how much I had hated South Carolina and I couldn't finish. People started charging the stage. They were so upset. So, you know, it's it's grown into a real love for a lot of South Carolina. <laughs> where, where, where are y'all at? I am in Douglasville, Georgia, so I'm not. Okay. I'm still a car ride from you. Scotty is up in New Jersey. Okay. Oh, that's a spread. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We started in Jersey, and then uh, I kicked Mike out. You know, um, and he just he <laughs> still I, I'm finds a way to do his song with his ex, so I can come back up. But uh, he, <laughs> he refuses to write music. It's yeah, terrible. do a song together. Come on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about uh, the new EP. Came out. Um, you know, when this episode comes yep. out, it came out about three, four weeks ago um, on January twenty seventh. How to survive an ending. Um, tell us the, the, the writing of it, uh, you know, what fans could expect from that. Yeah. You know, we've, we've been touring with this group of members for like the last four or five years, Mm -hmm. but we hadn't really ever released a body of work as a four of us, just like random singles. And so, you know, like you really, uh, for us, like we place a lot of emphasis on relationship and interconnectedness and making sure that like our like relationships as bandmates are like kind of put first over whatever else we do and so you know we felt like oh my god we've grown into this family but we haven't actually been able to do anything with it and so um even just like musically i think this ep really feels to me like a the closest thing to our touring band that we've ever put out um musically which feels really fun to be able to like actually replicate something alive and um hopefully feel a lot more of the energy there um and i think we're leaning a lot more into like you know stuff like live it's just like you want to be able to like show somebody a new song live and like have them sing it by the end and so there's a lot more kind of like poppy melodies and and whatnot on this and um lyrically it just it really came out of a place of like i was realizing that i had written my last several records were about things ending like major things ending and that that just has been this continuous cycle in life of like things ending and new things beginning and I think before, because each thing that ended felt so intensely individual, I I wrote a lot about like grief and like the grief of trying to get through an ending. And with this EP, I really wanted to do something that felt empowering. Like, okay, well, if, if you're going through something ending, like here's a way to, to get through it or to feel empowered in yourself or create boundaries in your relationships you need to or figure out how to like love people in different ways. So the EP kind of came from that, mm-hmm. just trying to make like an empowerment manual for like getting through an ending. Nice. Yeah. It was- Go ahead, Mike. I was just about to say, I mean, as you talked before about like when you were talking about writing songs like on sadder moments, I'm always curious and all, where is that breakthrough moment where it's like when you're describing it, it goes from, ah, this is this is terrible to, okay, this is a relief and I made some art about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the the art... I think the art has been like oftentimes just a journal for processing it period. So, um, a lot of times that is the breakthrough moment. And I think with this EP, honestly, the difference was like a lot of times those moments for me on past records, they happened like as I was processing an event, it's like, I'm in the middle of an event and I'm processing it. And so what always comes out is the tough parts of it. And this EP was a little bit more like, Oh, I'm, I'm looking back on events and I'm processing them after I've like had a little bit of space to do some of my own healing and my own work and my own therapy. And, and now I can process it from, you know, a, a little bit more of a place of power. 
I ask a, a ton of musicians that we have on the show because um, I'm fascinated by it. Um, so, so seeing as you're, you kind of had music in your, your life, basically your whole life and whatnot, but I'm curious how what your writing process lyrically is and then what your writing process musically is. Are you a jam it out with the band kind of guy? Are you like, I have a full song, here we go? Um, like, Give us the, the uh, look into both sides of that. Yeah, for me, um, normally it starts, like, I definitely have songs where the music comes first or the lyrics come first, but mm -hmm. the majority of the time, if there's a song that I can tell I'm really going to like, it's when they both come at the same time. So it's a lot of, like, jamming, playing stuff, bringing up, like, you know, creating beats on my computer or whatever, just, like, trying to create anything that feels new to me that, like, will prompt, like, a lyrical and melodic expression. And then... Um, you, yeah, usually by the time I finish writing it, I pass it to the band and we end up, you know, uh, sometimes it's all digital because we live so far away, but like optimally we like end up in a room together and they've had time to like listen to my demos and create their own parts. And then we kind of work through the arrangements together as a band. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, and then lyrically, are you coming with a, a, a pad with lyrics or like you've kind of, you have it ironed out beforehand? I found for myself, like if I if I come to a song and I already have like four lines, right. they almost never match anything. It it just doesn't work for me. It's like I think because the lyrics and the music feel so tied, and like that's when I feel the most emotional impact for myself uh, is when they're very tied. And so, what's been better for me is typically that I just I spend a lot of time journaling. I write notes on my phone, and I try to just like marinate on like what am I actually thinking about, like what what's within me so that then when I do sit down and I start singing something over whatever music's happening, it's like the lyrics that come out come from like whatever's been mar marinating more than like a preconceived like lyrical idea, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. It must be a special feeling creating a song and performing in front of people and they're loving it, but it has to be a different level to go viral on TikTok. Can you kind of <laughs> explain what happened there and was there like a plan to go viral or did it just like what <laughs> there was no plan i mean we definitely never had anything take off on tiktok but i i did like i finished that song and it was just a demo and um i did just have this feeling about it like i was like i don't know why but tiktok feels like the platform for this so i was like i'll just post <laughs> this video and see what happens and yeah it went wilder than anything we had done and you know obviously uh, it's it's probably done more to help us than almost anything else that's happened. So it definitely like showed that's me crazy. the power of TikTok in a way. Yeah, yeah, and and it wasn't it wasn't you uh, dancing or, or or showing your uh, your your ass either, right? It was no, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Unfor unfortunately, yeah, yeah. there's still now. time. There's still time. <laughs> he, he was dancing on his bike seat, and then it went down the mountain. Exactly. That's why it went viral. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny because I actually remember the video and me being like. I do not look good in this video. <laughs> and so when it went crazy too, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that the internet can look past that. <laughs> what I, I'm always curious with a band like yours, it, it's, you know, you guys have had good success and you, you, you seem to keep growing. How are you? Um, cause I, I know even with like our podcast and, and doing comedy and whatnot, one of my, one of my definite struggles is like self promotion and, and, and really like, trying to put it out there all the time how are how do you deal with that as far as like okay you gotta we disband gotta grow obviously like but do you find it easy or, or is it a struggle 
I definitely, I definitely <laughs> find it a struggle, especially just because like I want to be able to do it authentically, and I think there's a lot of ways that the internet has created a culture of like you're just always trying to figure out like what is working and how do I do that or how do I sure. fit myself into that. Are and, you telling me so, people are inauthentic on the internet? Are you are you making <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big news. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I struggle with it for sure, but I think like especially in the last year or two, a lot more of my thought has been like, well, if I want it to be authentic, I have to make sure that the songs feel authentic so that like when I talk about them and promote them, it's coming from like a natural place, yeah. you know, instead of me just being like, well, I don't know. I thought the song was cool, but I don't really care about it. And, <laughs> and so it's helped to really, to really like make sure that I try to only put out stuff that I really feel like I want to talk about in some way, but definitely, I mean, yeah, it's definitely hard to keep up, especially TikTok. Honestly, it's like sometimes hard for me to, to keep up with i'm trying i'm trying my best <laughs> all right the cheesy interview question of the day your band's names of the collection what does david collect yeah yeah <laughs> that's, that's like our z100 question yeah <laughs> let's hear it that's an, yeah that's not that's not a cheesy question um <laughs> uh it's great i i don't have a lot of things i collect uh but i do um I do like to collect rings. Like when I go to other countries, I like to buy a ring like for my finger from a different country. Um, so, you know, my ring collection isn't like greatly huge, but um, especially when like special moments happen in a certain city or a certain country, um, that's kind of like the thing that I go by. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so, Dave, first I want to thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on and, uh, you know, giving us some insight into the band. I, re I really enjoy the music. Um, definitely uh, looking forward to see what you guys are coming up with next. I know your tour is starting... I, I think March 1st is the first day. March yeah. 1st, yeah. March 1st in, yeah. in Kentucky, correct? Yep, correct. So if people want to check out the collection, interact with the collection, uh, see what's going on with them, where is the uh, best place for them to go? Yeah, I mean, um, I think most of our social handles are at The Collection Band, so that's pretty easy. And also our website's thecollectionband.com, and it has links to you know tickets and tour dates and music and all that. So, yeah. Final question. Um, it, with all the, the touring and music you've done, is there um, – is there one show or, or, or one concert that stands out to you the most is like, okay, this is something magical, like whether it was a small venue or a giant festival, is there is there something that you go to sleep at night and go, Man, that was that was our that was our peak right there so far? <laughs> uh oh, one that one that we played. Oh my god. Yeah. Um <laughs> Honestly the first concert we did back from lockdown was like it was just such a meaningful moment. Um, to all of us and it was like one of the best crowds we had had and I just remember like that that feeling of like even setting up on stage and just being like oh my god I don't even remember what it feels like to play a show and like I almost wasn't I almost was like not that excited leading up to it and then the moment it started it was like oh yeah like this is where it's at this is like where I feel the most me so yeah, yeah definitely definitely that one it was in Asheville uh, North Carolina it's awesome uh dave good luck with the ep good luck with the tour um and, and good luck with the band i hope to see you guys continuing to uh flourish and make new music thank you thanks so much for having me i really appreciate it it's great talking to y'all all right mike we recorded this episode pre-super bowl we recorded this episode pre-super bowl um we i made a prediction i was so 
so, so close to my prediction. I had Bengals-Eagles Super Bowl. And, in fact, it got to a point during that the um, Bengals game that I was trying to find the audio <laughs> of of the prediction to put it up there and be like, yeah, I'm like Nostradamus. And, and yeah, the Bengals lost. It was a close one. Mike, who'd you predict again? It was the Buccaneers made the playoffs and the Chargers. So Bucc- they both made the playoffs. Yes. Didn't make it happen. Yeah. It was almost like when you predicted the uh, Commanders the year before. Um, to be fair, I predicted the football team. No. That's right. Yeah, That's D- totally different. Different team. Different team. What are you talking about? Um, so we're so this episode will come out uh, uh, post-audio-wise as far as Super Bowl. Mike, Super yeah. Bowl prediction, okay. score, and who's winning? Okay. Uh-huh. Spoilers coming ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you see Monsters Inc.? Yeah, Out of curiosity, would you ever do? They have a contest to see who can last the longest, not knowing what happened in the Super Bowl. Do you think you could enter that contest? One hundred percent. I don't even. Yeah. Gi- I don't give a crap about this Super Bowl. Mm. I just want the Eagles to lose. Um Interestingly enough, <clears throat> I was thinking about, did you see this Aaron Rodgers story? Where he's going to be on a four-day darkness uh, adventure? Yeah. What they, yeah. Retreat? Yeah. So my question to you, four days in darkness. One, if you want to do four days in darkness, why are you putting it out to the media? Like, yeah, go do your thing. Go do your... your um, escape or retreat Um, like if i knew where he was i'd be a total tool and like two and a half days in like put a flashlight in there where he has to start over yeah yeah, yeah. you saw light Uh screwing up his day you know it's like now i can't report to camp now that's (laughs) been since july that's a good um, almost like blue pill red pill but what would you do a four-day darkness retreat for like what reward would you want like knowledge wise i don't know anything uh, like what would like in exchange what would you want that for i mean i'm never good at one of these i mean i talked about winning the lottery and making a spicy wine so i probably wouldn't make a good choice you're like yeah just give me another dog i'll do four days in the <laughs> in the uh in the dark Scott, I, I stepped on so much crap because the dogs were in there while I did the darkest challenge. I would do four days for financial freedom, no doubt. Probably, something no like that. doubt, no doubt. And essentially, that's what he's going to do anyway. He's going to be like, "Yeah, I'm going to get a forty million dollars next year. Uh, I'll go in the dark and probably be the Packers quarterback in the end." To be fair, four days in darkness is probably better than four days in light in Green Bay, anyway. So. Yeah. I think he stays with the Packers, my personal opinion. He's just going to stay. He's going to do his last year, and that's it. Uh, I say he goes to another team because for some, Jets, Jets, some reason, all these quarterbacks at the end of their careers say, I got to go to the weird team. So, like, 10 years from now, we're having some conversation. You're like, you remember when Blah Blah was on the, the Buccaneers? Dude, what? I was just um, – 
A buddy of mine does this Mad Dog, uh, you know, from Mike and the Mad Dog. Mad Dog still does the Super Bowl giveaways mm-hmm. where we go so down the wormhole with his uh, trivia questions. I I was looking up uh, audio clips of everyone. Long story short, I had him. He got on three times and missed the last question because there's all these different things. But during that, like even I was looking up things like – there was trivia questions like what West Virginia, someone from West Virginia who won this, who had a 40 yard touchdown in a Super Bowl. When I was looking up, like even guys I don't, I, do you remember Randy Moss and the 49ers? I completely forgot about that. I remember that. Do you remember him as a Titan? No. I think they happened in the same year. That's Jesus. how crazy it yeah. is. But yeah, the point is like, we this contest is so hard like you have to literally like go down a wormhole like it, he'll he'll ask a question he'll be like what uh what quarterback uh also threw to three hall of famers in his career what uh he'll be like i i went down a wormhole there he was like there's two Seinfeld, um, two people in the Super Bowl of sending the national anthem. Two of them were on Seinfeld. Okay. One of them was uh, Kathy Gifford. The other one, I spent an hour and a half, maybe two hours finding. It was the person doing sign language for Billy Joel was the other one. That, that's how deep the competition goes. You know what it is? It's kind of like the... Um... Every, I think like DraftKings had it where if you have a per- perfect bracket in March Madness, you can win a billion dollars. The reason they have it is because they know nobody can win. Yeah, and That's this they don't care. Mad Dog only gives out four Super Bowl uh, things, and he didn't even give out two because two people, no one got the last two. That's how crazy yeah. it was. Yeah. But uh, that what we were talking about. I have no idea what we we're talking about. Oh, uh, Super Bowl prediction. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. What do you got? Okay. Put it on wax, Mike, as they say. Yeah. Uh, hurts for me to say. Um, being a person who loves every Philadelphia team except for football, to have two previous Philadelphia teams in championship games and. Blow both the Phillies and the Union. Sadly, I think it's going back to Philly. They're just got a hell of a setup there. They got an insanely great GM. They actually showed a graphic where they had all the Chiefs uh, offensive starters and the Eagles offensive starters and where they got them from. Literally, the only only AJ Brown was obtained from another team everybody else was drafted wow for the eagles which is the most okay yeah incredible thing i've ever seen in my life where an entire Chiefs scene was basically i think like three guys came from the draft um it just boils down to they just have a hell of a setup they just know how to move the ball and their defense is on point, and I feel Kansas City is going to stumble at one point, and it's going to not be enough. I see Eagles winning 31-24. to 24. All right. Uh, okay, okay. 
I uh, I like Patrick Mahomes on two weeks rest after that injury. Um, I have been on the Eagles train all year long, not as a fan, but I think they're a very, very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go in the opposite. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to go insane in this game. I, I just feel like... This guy's like, okay, here's my legacy. Here's my LeBron-esque legacy. You know, that guy's fighting his legacy. I'm going to lose in a couple of Super Bowls. I'm going to win it. Um, I'm going 31-30 in a very close game. Down to the line, last field goal, Chiefs. All right, so prop bets now. What's mentioned more, Casey Barbecue or Philly Cheese? Yeah, yeah. What color Gatorade? What color Gatorade is going to be the dum uh, dum? But how many times will the Kelsey parents be shown on television? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I had a lot of fun uh, tonight. I want to thank Dave from the collection for coming on. Um, other than that, Mike, anything to promote before we go, or are we getting out of here? Uh, I will promote, uh, as we have talked about Mixmaster Mike, his uh, upcoming concert in the Venice West is happening on Saturday, March 18th. Tickets are still available, including uh, RSVP tickets. If you want to find out about costs and anything, go to MixmasterMike.com slash live and find out information on the show. Yeah, and and other than that, I'll just uh, quickly promote... The Verbal Shenanigans Podcast. We are on so many different networks. We've been doing this for a long time. We need your help. We need to get out there. We need to uh, find new fans. I think we've ironed down this show to where I think it's a good show. Um, Please follow us on social media. Please interact with us. Um, And that's it, guys. Um, VS Comedy on Twitter. um, Verbal Shenanigans on Instagram. And... That's it. Share it with people. Tell them you loved it. Um, tell them you hated it. Hated it. Um, and that's it. Other than that, guys, life is funny. Laugh at it. Keep the wind at your back. You realize on the same show, I admit I didn't know what a trumpet or the Holocaust was. Listening to verbal shenanigans.